0: man good to see everybody you guys loving this nice cool slash kind of warm weather it's been nice right it's been real good hey i got uh two quick things for you first i just want to give a quick greeting to our first time guests if you're joining us for the first time i want to say welcome thanks for choosing to be here tonight hey come on give it up for our first time and um if you didn't get a chance to stop by the first time guest tent Uh, We've got a little uh, VIP room, tent area out there, even after the service. We've got some gifts for you. got a little coffee mug, got some donuts, something we'd love just to send you home with a gift. And uh, just would love to get to know you a little bit, so be sure to do that. Second thing I want to let you know is uh, next week, how many of you are on spring break next week? Yeah, yeah. How many of you are working, so you don't have a clue what a spring break is? Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Hey, uh, we realize next week is spring break for a lot of people, so we're going to do something a little bit different. If you're still in town, uh, next week we're still going to meet, and we're going to do something called C12 on the bridge. So we're going to do an outdoor service, kind of a cool thing. We'll still do worship, a little bit of teaching out there under the moonlight. It'll be lit. lit- oh, you get it? And uh, come on, that's funny. Um, Anyways, uh, so this is going to be next week, same time, 7.30, and we'll have a good time uh, out there on the bridge, have some drinks and stuff for you, so uh, you can come ready to have some fun. Cool? Hey, we've uh, been in this series called Love on the Brain, talking about relationships and dating and everything that goes with that, and so tonight is the last week of that, so we got a little something unique, but before we get into it, uh, I want to just acknowledge something real quick. Every now and then I feel like... Uh, God gives me a prompt, and I need to obey it. I know a lot of you are doing some really cool things uh, with your life worth acknowledging, but there's one person in here tonight that I just want to give honor to. Robbie, would you stand up for me real fast? Come on, yep, go ahead and stand up. Uh, This is Robbie Benson. He's a friend of mine, and uh, he's been coming. Y'all give him a hand. He didn't uh, didn't know I was going to do this, so he's a little embarrassed right now. But uh, the reason why I'm having Robbie stand is uh, Robbie's been a friend of mine for the past few months since I joined C12. And this is how Robbie introduced himself to me. He said, hey, bro, I'm getting tired of seeing you in that New York Yankees hat. I'm going to buy you a Braves hat. you cool with that? (laughs) And uh, I said, sure. I mean, I'm a Braves fan. I just like hats. And so sure enough, he did. He brought a, a Braves hat for me the next week. Uh, but anyways, man, Robbie loves people, and uh, he's always just loving on people and greets everybody. And uh, Robbie, well, the reason why I want to acknowledge Robbie is uh, Robbie leaves on Tuesday. Uh, he's joined the military, and he heads off, uh, yeah. And uh, he heads out, out Tuesday to Texas, to Texas for uh, basic training, joining the Air Force. And so, um, dude, I just wanted to, in front of all these people, I want to honor you. And I want to say thank you, and I'm grateful for you, not only as a friend, but for what you're doing for our country. And uh, the sacrifice that takes, man, does not go unnoticed, and I want to say thank you to you. If you would, just, if you're right next to him, would you just put a hand on him real fast? I want to pray. God, thank you for Robbie. Thank you for for his life, and uh, thank you for the man that he is. He is, and for the man you're molding him into, God, I pray favor over his life. I pray protection over his life and ask that you would do something with his life more than anything he could ever ask or imagine. Would you uh, bring him back with good reports of all that you're doing with him and all over the world, all over the country? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, buddy. Hey, um. So tonight what we're doing is we've talked for the past three weeks on dating and I've talked to you about the path of promiscuity and path of purity and walking down these two paths as you go through your dating world and how that's important and all that kind of stuff. I would encourage you if you've missed out the past three weeks to get online or get on iTunes. You can check out the podcast they're on there and I think it'd be helpful for you. But tonight we're going to do something unique. We're doing a uh, FAQ frequently asked questions on relationships and dating and that kind of thing. And so uh, we've kind of we've gathered questions questions from you. As the past few weeks, just conversations, but also we've done a little social media push. We've had you send in questions that you have about that kind of thing. So I'm going to do my best tonight to answer those uh, to the best of my ability. Um, But a couple of things for you as we get going. First is this, just like rules for FAQ. Are you ready for the rules? Uh, Number one is this, a sign of good culture In whatever area of life, whether it's a basketball team, sports, uh, business, organization, a sign of a good culture is a culture that can bounce back between fun and serious. Fun and serious, real easily. So, you know, the Golden State Warriors. What do do we love about the Golden State Warriors? They know how to have fun, but they're also very serious. Organizations, businesses, that kind of thing, know how to have fun. I believe a good culture for church is a community that knows how to have fun, but also can be serious when the time is right. So, just to let you know, tonight we're going to have some fun. And we're going to jump into some serious things as well. But don't be afraid to laugh. If I answer your question in a little funny, sarcastic way, don't get offended. Just relax. It'll all be all right. We'll have a good time, okay? <laughs> Second thing is this. I can't get to all the questions. So if you send in a question I don't get to it, I apologize. Would love to have a conversation with you one-on-one if you'd like to do that. But I can't get to all the questions um, So, sorry. (laughs) Uh, And then lastly, this. Uh, If I ask a question, I'm gonna read to you the questions that were asked. Don't yell out your opinion or your answer to the question because you never know the person next to you could be the one that has that same question. And uh, we're gonna do our best to walk in truth tonight and what truth is, and not as much in opinion and that kind of thing. And if I have an opinion, I'm going to do my best to just tell you, hey, this is my opinion, okay? But uh, those are kind of the three rules for tonight. So we mentioned how to have fun. We want to have fun in this conversation. So I thought a good way to start off the night is to show you a little funny video. We interviewed uh, a few different groups of people, a group of women and a group of men separately, and we asked them the question... What do you look for uh, in the opposite sex? It's a good time. Take a look.
1: All right. And the question is, what do you find attractive in the opposite sex? (laughs) Mm. Definitely a Christian, obviously. That's that's a deal breaker if you're not. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> who wants to kick it off? <laughs> yeah, he has to be adventurous. Yeah, yeah, like as what what a Sex, because apparently every guy loves sex. Well, he yeah. has Artistic, to be creative. Yeah. 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 Okay. I like the girl who can make me like a, a really nice sweater with uh, like, knitting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Look me in the eye. That's a big thing. Eye contact yes. is so good. If
0: the nice. girl doesn't smell like flowers and roses, then. I, I like that Victoria's Secret perfume. I do. It's scandalous. I mean. I mean
1: doesn't avoid confrontation. No. Oh, pain? pain Judgment? No. Oh, yeah, you can't you it. it. You cannot be half <laughs> <laughs> American. No. 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 What I've really found attractive in a girl, too, is
0: is intelligence. Yeah, just like, yeah, a, and a, like a hunger for knowledge. I always want to, like, Learn something more about whatever she's interested in.
1: But just like I don't want to be a girl, I don't want a girl that's stagnant in her faith. I don't want her to be stagnant in her mental health either. Yeah, I love that. If he respects God. his mom and any sisters really? he has, that's uh, really? yeah, it's right. kind of it's I love when a
0: girl just doesn't want to say I don't care. I don't. I don't know what I'm doing. Like kind of just going through the motions. I love it when a girl has you know some sort of direction.
1: He has to have a good amount of friends. Like he has to be oh, able yeah. to have good relationships yeah. with other people. Because yes. like not I'm not going to be your whole world, and you're not my whole world. Yes. And we have. We have. Like what Austin said. We each have our individual lives when we're After fighting each, each other, other. Into it. Like, yeah. was like, oh, so no, I mean, romantic
0: comedy. Chick flicks. Yeah, okay, dude, yeah, I took I, well, love tremendous tremendous <laughs> <laughs> I love Romantic comedy. I love And The Proposal, I freaking love that movie. Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds did a great job in that movie. Indicator of, like, just, like, confidence and jealousy. Yes, I
1: think, yeah, so. confidence is huge mm-hmm. not, mm-hmm. not being intimidated, Not being too shy. Me, or, anything, yeah. or, like, what I want to do in life, and, like, supporting that, and, you
0: know, like... Yeah, sim- simple it is always the most attractive to me you know Mm -hmm. you don't have to be looking the most flashy or have the most the best makeup on or anything like that just be you yeah yeah
1: you have to be able to dance oh yeah yes yes you should clap
0: like everyone's doing piano or something something that's like Uh, uh, heartfelt i need
1: you to be on (laughs) two
0: faith-based. I like women that that uh, just makes me a better man. You know what I'm saying? It, it just, just motivates me. And, and when I'm with a woman that I see her reading her Bible all the time, I see how she interacts with people, I see how she engages in church, um, that just makes me want to become a better man, and that just makes me want to respect her and, and just more important respect God even more
1: yeah Yeah, Yeah. you're Christian and you're not God forsaken ugly and (laughs) you have a cute personality
0: come on can we give it up for our panel our I don't even know what the girls were saying half the time they're just laughing the whole time but that's hilarious good for you guys uh, so that was fun. So you guys ready to get into this? We'll ask some questions and uh, give you some answers. Hopefully it's helpful. Y'all ready? Come on. If you're turned to, if you're ready, turn to your neighbor and say, let's do this. <laughs> I got this chair up here, but I don't ever sit in a chair when I teach. So it's awkward. I'm going to go for it. All right. First question is this. Uh, this was sent in. It said, you said in this series that dating has no commitment. Does that mean my girl can just cheat on me whenever she wants? <laughs> great question, great question. So what we've been talking about in this series is that in a dating relationship, the commitment is very, very low. That essentially what you're saying in a dating relationship is, uh, I choose you for now, right? I know that sounds harsh, but essentially when you're dating, what you're saying is, I choose you for now. And, and what we're saying is that's okay. Let's embrace that, that. That's a low commitment. And in fact, having a low commitment is good because you want to keep intimacy, always want to keep intimacy lower than the commitment level. And so if we have a low commitment, then how low should intimacy be? Just as low, right? So I wrote this down. Um, how we've defined commitment is I choose you for now. The I choose you is a commitment. It's the for now part that makes it a not so sturdy commitment. So if she or he goes and cheats on you in a dating relationship, then they have broken the commitment part, right? So what we're saying is in dating, uh, I could wake up tomorrow and decide, like, like I, I've, cho- I've chosen you for today, but tomorrow I may wake up and say, dude, I just can't stand the fact that she loves cats. So I'm out. Peace, right? So that's the for now part. We're saying in a dating relationship, you should be committed. It's just, you don't have to be committed tomorrow and the next day that you're walking through a dating relationship going, hey, we understand that the commitment level is pretty low in this. But that doesn't mean you can just go, if, if, some, if your dating person partner cheats on you, then no, nah, nah, done with that. There's no time for that. Get out of here. No time for that, okay? Does that make sense? There's no, okay, let's move on. Uh, number two, second question. I love this question. All right. If I see red flags in the person that I'm dating, or in other words, things that I don't like, if I see red flags, I'm like, ah, yeah, I don't know about that. If I see that, how do I know uh, what I just need to accept and tolerate and just go, okay, that's just let's let's move, let's keep going with this? Or if that's a good enough reason to break it off. Does that make sense? If I see red flags, how do I know, like, hey, that's a deal breaker? Or, you know what, I can still work with that. We can still. Keep going with this thing. Does that make sense? Here's what I would say. Here's the answer to that. Uh, first, be humble. You ain't perfect either would be my response. Be humble. Uh, you, you have faults too. Realize that. You have faults just like they have faults. You're both going to have faults. So go into it with the attitude of humility and we're both not perfect. Um, I was talking to a guy one time, <laughs> just to kind of illustrate this. I was talking to a guy one time and uh, you're going to hear, we're going to show another video in a little while and you're going to hear one of the Uh, things that the guys did is they wrote on a piece of paper, like the 10 things, the 10 things that uh, these are my non-negotiables. These are the things that i got to have in the person that I'm going to marry one day. So ultimately the person that I'm dating now, Um, that's a good practice to do. But I was talking to a guy that did that one time and he was telling me some of the things that he wrote down there. And I said, bro, uh, after listening to I said, dude, do you realize like essentially what you're looking for is a woman with a Mother Teresa heart, but a porn star sexuality. Like, that's, that's how he described his lady. I said, dude, do you realize like that, doesn't, that you're not going to get that? That's not a thing. Uh, so what I'm saying is, realize if, if, you're, looking, um, if you're looking for someone who is going to be an awesome mom, but is also super fit, just realize you may not be able to have both of them. Okay, do you see where I'm going with this? So a mother oftentimes spends her life, invest her life into her children and, and spends all of her time while you're at work or whatever. She's spending her time raising the kids, cooking, making sure she's got dinner on the table for you. I don't know if that's the kind of woman you want, but, but if so, then great. Uh, she's going to do all that, and then you're going to put the expectation on her also to be in the gym two hours a day. Any ladies, you hear what I'm saying? The, the two oftentimes don't go together, <laughs> right? So just understand when you make your list, you may not be able to have... Both of them, okay? So you gotta understand this is a non-negotiable. This You gotta understand what a non-negotiable is. This is something that's not moving. Ladies, you may say something like, he needs to be passionate about the things that he's into. This video cracked me. I wish y'all could see the unedited version of the video. Uh, <laughs> he needs to be passionate about the things he's into, but also he can't watch too much football. Well, you just contradicted yourself. What if he's really passionate about football? You hear what I'm saying? So you gotta understand that, Maybe the list you're making, the things don't go together. So be careful what's on the list. Um, and then I would say this. You should make a list. Make a list of your non-negotiables. These are the things that uh, I'm looking for in the woman or the man that I'm going to marry. And if it's not there, then uh, I just can't settle for anything less. These are convictions. These are not just things you like. These are convictions. Things, uh, here's an example. Don't write down, he needs to be spiritually mature. Here's a better example of what to write down. Uh, There needs to be signs that he or she is growing in their faith. You see the difference? Not just he's spiritually mature, but there's gotta be signs that he is growing in his faith. And then, uh, let me clarify this. A red flag, I'll give you an example. A red flag is not, uh, she has baggage from past relationships. A red flag is, the baggage from her past relationships is keeping her from moving on into a healthy relationship. You hear the difference? So you have to define what are your red flags? What are the things on your list? Uh, because if you put something out there like she can't have baggage from other relationships, well, guess what? If you've been in any relationship, you may carry a little bit of baggage. So the red flag is the baggage she has is just so caught up in her that she can't move on into a healthy relationship. That's the red flag. Are you following with me? Are we still good? This is gonna be a fun night. And then I would say this. Don't be afraid to ask someone. Say, hey, uh, I feel like this is a red flag for me. Uh, Obviously, ask someone you trust. I feel like this is a red flag. Something's come up in the person that I'm dating. And uh, what do you think? Am I being extreme here or is this something? And just have someone speak some wisdom into your life. All right, next question. You ready? (laughs) Um, Oh, this is good. Okay, I'm gonna stand for this one. Is it appropriate... Is it appropriate for a girl to ask a guy on a date? Hey, this would be, uh, for this one, I'll just, we'll get some crowd feedback. How many of you say yes, it is appropriate? Raise your hand. Great. How many of you say no? Not appropriate. Awesome. How many of you are like, dude, I'm not raising my hand, that's embarrassing. <laughs> this is a tough question, this is a good one. Is it appropriate for a girl to ask a guy out on a date? Um, All right, here's the answer. Yes, it is appropriate, okay? It's not that it's non-appropriate, but I would say there are some cautions to it that you should be aware of, okay? There's some cautions. Um, One, I would say this. The most attractive thing uh, to every guy in the world out there is a girl who is secure in herself and is not desperate for a man. So uh, just know, it's not always the case, but just know when you put yourself out there and, and ask a guy on a date, a lot of times that can be uh, kind of the, that's um, kind of what you look like, to be honest with you. Um, not always the case. Maybe you're just so confident in yourself that you just don't care. You're like, hey, you want to go out on a date? And maybe that's the case. Majority of the time, uh, that can be a little weird for most guys. In fact, I remember, um, I remember a, in college, a girl, uh, this was obviously before I was dating my wife, um, a girl asked me on a date, and I knew immediately, not going to marry her, I just knew it, I still said yes, but uh, <laughs> I still went, I still went on the date, but I just knew, like, ah, I don't know, that just, not a fan of that, and so, uh, it's just, just know that's kind of the persona you're giving um, when you ask a guy on a date. Second is this, uh, you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to ask a guy on a date, And (laughs) all the ladies, all the ladies clapping. So, guys, I want to talk to you for a second. Man up and ask a girl on a date. Um, Let me give give some uh, beginning stage dating etiquette, okay? I guess this is the part that's my opinion. So you can disagree with me if you want. But I'm older than you and wiser than you. Guys, some dating etiquette. Do not say these things. Hey, do you want to grab some coffee with me? Hey, um, do you want to go on a hike? Hey, uh, me and my buddies are playing some basketball. You want to come hang out? Listen, when you say things like, hey, do you want to grab some coffee? You're leaving the girl out there and just like la-la land going, what does he mean? I don't know. Like, is, is this a date? Is he going to pay? Is he going to, does he consider this a date? Did I just get friend-zoned? I don't know what's going on. Like, (laughs) you're leaving it out there for her. And some of you do that on purpose, and that's bad. You shouldn't do that. Listen, here's what you say. Hey, can I take you on a date? Hey, (laughs) can I take you on a date this Friday? I promise you, just be clear about it. Say what it is. You don't have to say this, but what you're implying is, I'm gonna pay for you. I'm gonna treat you right. It's gonna be a good time. I, it's gonna be a date. That's what you're saying. <laughs> Y'all are crazy. But let's be fair, women. Hey, now we're talking, guys. Let's be fair, women. You're part of the problem. <laughs> they got. They got their chance. They got their chance. When a boy asks you on a date, he's not asking to marry you. So relax. Just relax. Just relax. You can still say no if you want to, but he's not asking to marry you. It's just a date. He's not your soulmate. He's not the one. He's not looking to complete you. It's a date. When for some reason he stops dating you, he did not do something wrong or evil. Maybe you just overthought the relationship. And now you're hurt because of you. He just decided, no, like, I'm just not that not that into her. You ever seen that? You ever seen that movie? He's just not that into you? One of the most real, honest movies I've ever seen. And then do not form a man-hating sisterhood with all your with with, with all your friends and talk trash about a guy who took you on a date or two and then realized you weren't right for him. It was just a date. And if he asks a girl out in another few weeks, he's not Satan. He just wasn't into you. It's okay. I think if you do that, it'll help everyone out. All right? right, we're Just setting some dating etiquette there. Okay, I think I answered the question. Moving on, next one. Uh, this is a really good one. Most, uh, most of my classmates and or friends are either engaged, married, and or starting a family. This is so good. How can you be happy for those people when you're actually jealous and want what they have? Such a real uh, great question. Here's what I would say. Um, this has everything to do with trust. It has everything to do with trust in God. I know that seems like a simple answer, so let me just talk to you for a second. I want to read you a verse in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. It says this. It says, A heart at peace. A heart at what? At peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. That's what we're talking about, envy. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bond, bones. Now, we read, I think in the first week of this series, we read a scripture out of Isaiah chapter 26. I want to read it to you again. Isaiah 26, verse 3, it says, you keep him, talking about God, you keep him in perfect peace. God keeps you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Because he what? So, he keeps you in peace when you trust in him. And a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. So let me just talk for a second. This... uh what, what the person who asked the question, and I think it's a relevant question for many of us, uh, this is a lifelong journey that you're going to be on with this issue. Um, it's worth the fight now because you're going to be in it the rest of your life. And what I mean is this, it never ends. So, uh, It's very real for people who are married and have kids and they watch their friends who maybe didn't get the same level of education or maybe just got lucky and have a lot better job and they're financially stable and you're struggling and you're going, why, why? And you start to envy and you start going, man, I think I'm proud that that guy got the promotion, but I'm somewhat ticked at him as well. Like, why couldn't that be me? I worked hard for this, right? You're gonna go the rest of your life going, man, I wish this guy, his parents are rich and his, they just bought him a nice house. And here I am over here struggling. to, to I'm living in a trailer. <laughs> like you're gonna live in this, in this tension for the rest of your life. So it's a worthwhile cause uh, for you to look into right now in this area. So let me um, say a few other things. The grass isn't always greener on the other side, first of all. So don't assume that just because someone is married that they're, they've got some like perfect life. Don't assume that because they've got a few kids and what you see on Instagram seems like they're really, really happy. Don't assume that they got it going on. They don't, a lot of times they don't. And plus I would say uh, a lot of times people with kids or people who are married, they have struggles that you know nothing about. And I guarantee you they would wish that they could go back and maybe just be single for a little bit and not have someone. I know that's harsh, but like there are things that I go through as a married man with a child that you, you're not experiencing. And there are times I'm like, man, there's, there was a lot of freedom when I was young and didn't have a lot of people that were relying on me to provide for them. That was a weight that you do not quite carry right now. And so just know, like, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. So don't just assume that. second thing I would say is this. Singleness is a season. Enjoy the perks of it. Singleness is a season, enjoy the perks of it. Every season has its blessings and its problems. So, learn to surrender to the season. If God has you in a season right now, learn to surrender to it. Just say, God, this is the season you have me walking through right now. You must have me in it for a reason. And whatever God is withholding from you right now, it's because for a reason. That maybe you're not ready for it right now, or maybe he has a better timing, better plan for you in the future. So it all comes down to trust. You find, you may want to write this down, you find your peace when you trust God to deliver his perfect plan in his perfect timing. You find your peace when you trust God to deliver his perfect plan in his perfect timing. There is so much freedom in being free from the worry of why do, not, why do I not have this? Or, or why do they have this and I don't have this? Or when am I gonna get that? if you can just be liberated from that and go, God, I I trust you. You take care of the birds in the air. You can take care of me. And in your perfect timing, your perfect plan will come to pass. That's a lot of alliteration right there. In your perfect timing, your perfect plan will come to pass. So uh, another thing I would say is there is no promise of marriage, but there is promise of being fully loved. The Bible never promises marriage to every person, but it does promise that you can be fully loved. But only can you be fully loved by your creator. So get this, you can be not married and still experience being fully loved. And if you can be secure in that, you're going to be all right. It doesn't mean you don't, you can't want marriage. It doesn't mean you can't want that in your future. It just means that right now I'm secure in that. Um, and then I would end with, "There's a book out called Uninvited by a lady named Lisa Turkhurst. I think is how you say her name. I know a lot of girls read it. Um, you should go buy it, especially if you're a lady. In fact, yeah, if you're a lady, go buy it. Uh, I guess if you're a guy, it's not really a guy book, but whatever. If you're into that, um, go buy this book. My wife is reading it, and she was telling me a little bit about it, and." Uh, There's a chapter in there, or maybe even the whole book. There's a chapter in there that talks about how uh, your security can allow you to not be threatened by others' success. That you can be so secure in yourself that you're not threatened by other people's success. That's a big deal. That's a big, big deal. So go check it out. If, uh, If you need help finding the book, come let me know. And if you don't have the funds to buy the book, come let me know and I'll buy it for you. Okay? I mean that. I really do. If you don't have $7 to buy the book off Amazon, come let me know and I'll buy it for you. All right, moving on. Next question. You guys still having fun? Turn to your neighbor and say, This is for you. I got this figured out. <laughs> All right. Oh, a good question. Okay. I know the Bible talks about the relationship between husbands and wife, but what is my role as the boyfriend in leading my girlfriend spiritually, emotionally, physically, that kind of thing? Phenomenal question, phenomenal question. All right, first, spiritually, spiritually, uh, I wanna read to you a verse. Ah, dang it, I didn't mark it. Gosh, I'm the worst. In uh, Mark chapter 10, verses 6 through 9, I want to read to you this verse. It says this, but at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, will be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Listen, until you become married, you are two separate fleshes. You're not one flesh until you become married. So that means this, your spirituality is yours, his or her spirituality is theirs, and you're not responsible to carry theirs, nor should you uh, act in such a way where you carry theirs. Um, So what I would recommend is this, your biggest, uh, the thing that you can help the most in is your, your job is to encourage the person, encourage Encourage them in their faith, encourage them in their spiritual journey, but you don't want to carry them in their spiritual journey. Because listen, if her spiritual walk is only because you're constantly pushing her, you're constantly pushing her, then she's becoming reliant on you. And I, that's not a healthy thing to do. Her spirituality needs to be hers. And uh, you don't want it to just be because you are pushing her. So, encouragement is the right thing. To do in a minute we're gonna watch a video and uh the two couples are gonna talk about uh they're gonna talk about that spiritual boundaries which are very important so uh let me talk let me talk just for a second to the men in the room men where you at that's always a hard thing to ask because the men don't scream real loud there's like woo and then it's not a good not a good response and you feel lame as a preacher. Um let me talk to the men uh your role Your role is to be the man. Let me say that. Your role as the man is to be the man. And what I mean by that is is in life, in work, in uh, war, in church, in marriage, your role is to be a man. And the Bible talks specifically lays out what a man is. And there's three things that I would give to you tonight. One, a man does this. One, a man honors A man is noble, and a man serves. Honor, serves, and noble. That's what the Bible speaks to. Let me just define this for you. To be noble means this. To have or show fine personal qualities or high moral principles and ideals. It's the thing, every guy is born with these things in them. It's just, it's in them. They want to be a noble guy, they want to be an honoring guy, and they want to serve others. It's the thing in every guy that says, I'm gonna be honest even when it may cost me. That's nobility. I'm gonna be honest at my work even when it may cost me something. That's called being noble. To honor, to regard with great respect, to serve, to care and meet the needs of other people. This is in every, every single man. But listen to me. Boys allow their emotions and their feelings to dictate their morality. Boys think of their needs And don't protect others. And our culture is filled with a bunch of boys just trying to meet their own needs. And this is why everybody is so shocked when they find a man of nobility and a man who honors and a man who serves. Because our culture is filled with a bunch of little boys. And so here's what I would say to you men. Noble, honor, serve. And listen, you can't honor her while you take advantage of her. Right? And you can't, listen, hold on. You can't be noble and corrupt at the same time. And you can't be serving and take from her. Let me say those one more time. You can't honor her while you take advantage of her. You can't be noble and corrupt at the same time. And you can't be serving while you're taking from her. So, men. Your role is to be a man, be those things. And I promise you, if you will do those things, whether it's work, war, marriage, church, all those things, that is your role. And when you do that, I promise you'll see a community and a culture change. I wonder what would happen if the men of this room would stick to those three things. We'd have a changed community if that would happen. I challenge you to that. Okay, next question. How do I end a toxic relationship in a healthy way? First, put on boys to men, Into the road. <laughs> Let that just play for a little bit. If you're too young to know who boys to men is, do yourself a favor and go home and YouTube, boys to men, end of the road, okay? Uh, real quick, <laughs> real quick, I would say this. Um, this is what you should say. Our relationship is leading us down a path that is corrupting our lives, not helping our lives. Therefore, I got to do something. And don't do this. Uh, we got to break up, but we can still be friends. Oh, Lord, that's the worst thing. Listen, if you need to break off a toxic relationship, the best thing you can do is end it and end it. Good. Don't, don't, you don't need to be friends. I get it. We all, like, feel this compassion, and we got to still love each No, end it, all right? For the health of you and that person, you need to end it and break it off. The best thing that ever happened, well, not the best thing. One of the greatest things that ever happened to me was I was in a relationship in college, and uh, we, me and the girl, we broke it off, and I just, you know, because I'm such a noble, honoring, serving guy, I felt so bad, and so I wanted to still be friends with her and all this kind of stuff, and she said, nope, don't text me, don't talk to me, I'm done. She said, I love you, but I just, we're not doing this, and so we didn't talk for like months, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it allowed both of us to separate, allow both of us to break apart. So don't do the, the still friends thing part, bad idea. All right, last question, then we'll take a little bit of a video break. Uh, how do you feel, oh, such a good question. How do you feel about online app dating? Uh, how do you feel about online dating? It's a, it's a phenomenal question. Here's what I say. Um, first, t- Tinder is not dating. Tinder is a hookup app, okay? Am I right by that? I'm not on it, but that's kind of what, I, what it feels like. Tinder, Tinder is not dating. So if, if that's your version of online dating, <laughs> your, date, your, your definition of dating is weird. Um, and then I would say this. Uh, online to meet someone is okay. Online to be in a relationship, an online relationship is different. Okay, so if you're on an online dating site because you want to meet somebody, okay, don't get in an online relationship. Do you understand the difference where the only connection you have with them is online and and you guys are doing that back and forth? That's a terrible way to go about dating. Uh, But I would say this, I've seen couples uh, meet through online apps and it works out and I've seen a lot, a lot of other couples do that and it not work out, but... um, Online dating exists to solve a few problems. Let me tell you what those problems are. Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah, first let me say this. If your option option is sitting on your couch or online dating, by all means, please, online date, okay? If your option is just sit on your couch and not meet anybody, uh, unless you want to marry a UPS driver or a pizza delivery guy or girl, Uh, get online and and do it that way. Um, Online dating exists to solve a few problems. First problem is this. I'm too busy to date, so it's easier to just have a conversation with someone online. When I get home from work really late, I don't have time to do the dating thing. Second problem it solves is I'm not involved socially in places that give me the opportunity to find someone to date. So uh, that's why I do it. Third thing it solves is uh, I don't have to have face-to-face asking someone on a date uh, A.K.A. I don't have the social emotional maturity to ask someone on a date. Um, those are the three things it solves. What I would say is if one of those three things is the reason why you're online trying to date, uh, there, are, there are a few, I would say, red flags to those and things that I would be concerned about. Um, all of those have concerns. One, if you're too busy to date, therefore online is your solution. How in the world are you going to keep an actual relationship I don't, I don't understand that. So if, if busyness is your reason, that doesn't quite work out for me. Um, I'm not involved socially in places that give me the opportunity. Um, I get it if you're really busy, or let's say um, you don't have a community that you're involved in with other people your age, that kind of thing. and So you got to get online to meet other people. The concern for me is that, so how do you get friendships? Where are you finding good, solid, even godly friendships if you're not around other people uh, your age in the same stage of life you are? So that would be a concern for me as well. And then third, um, I don't have the emotional social maturity to ask someone on a date. I just don't understand how you're going to be in a healthy relationship if that's the case. So to me, all of those have concerns, Uh, but online dating, I think, you know, it's not a giant problem. All right. Hey, I want to show you guys, we interviewed uh, two couples and I thought it may be cool. Uh, These are two couples in our ministry. Um, And let me say this, uh, they're not perfect couples. they they're, I don't think they've done everything right. I don't, man, I don't know their story completely, but uh, they're not claiming to be perfect. They're not claiming to do everything right, but they're two couples that are now engaged, uh, and they met each other here at C12, and so I thought it'd be cool. I, I have a lot of respect for them as individuals, and I've watched them as, as a couple, and so I have a lot of respect for them, and I thought it may be cool for you to hear a little bit about their story and their journey, so take a look. <whistles> Hey guys, I'm here with uh, two people I want to introduce you to, Sydney and Sheldon, and to another couple uh, that's been around C12 for a number of years, and that's uh, Matt and Sarah. So I wanted just to give you a glance into their relationship world and thought it may be helpful for you. So tell us this first, how long have you guys been dating? About Almost, almost two years, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: a little oh. over a year. <laughs> We've had our one year in
0: Nice, years. nice. So this time next week... You'll be married, correct? Yes. Unbelievable. Yeah. You've been engaged for about
1: five months.
0: And when, when's yeah. the big day? June
1: third.
0: June third, counting down the days.
1: Ninety seven days.
0: Sure. <laughs> well, I mean, what led you to believe that this person was the person that you wanted to spend the rest of your life with? About a year before I met Sarah, I had a, I made a list
1: of about 10 things. I had heard from someone to just, like, make a list of, like, everything that you want in a person. And I uh, prayed about it for a year, and uh, she was the first one to check off all the boxes. And then when we had, like, started talking and stuff, I looked at the list and everything on it, like checked up. I'm a service kind of person, and so he was very intentional from the beginning. Just prayed God, my next person that I date, let it be my husband. So I knew really quickly that <laughs> Sheldon was the one that I was going to be married because it was so backed by so much months and months of prayer.
0: So, what are some things that y'all have done to uh, help date the right way and to really build a healthy relationship?
1: I think uh, we actually got to enjoy dating. Um, when we first started dating, we, I'd pick her up on a date, we'd go out on a date, and I would drop her off, and that would be it. Matthew didn't kiss me for a month, and <laughs> was like, okay, you know, this is, okay, this is cool. Um, but right there, that showed me that um, he really wanted to get to know me, and that to me was meant the world. The more you spend time with each other, the more emotionally you connect and physically you connect, there's more expectations and there's more pressure. And at the beginning, you don't need that Mm because you're still trying to figure out if that's someone you want to pursue for marriage or not. And when you start off hot and heavy, there's already an expectation, regardless of whether you think there is or not, or you intend it, it's there. And that creates an unhealthy start to the relationship.
0: What are some things that you guys have done to help make God the center of your relationship and ultimately make him your number one priority as an individual but also make him the priority as a couple.
1: We would have Bible verses in the morning but we would also just regularly ask each other like what's God been doing for your life? Like is there something we need to pray about? Is there something I need to pray about for you? Um, like." Is, some, is God moving in a specific way in your life? Just holding each other accountable, but obviously not breaking the spiritual boundary that we have. Like at night, we would pray, but we wouldn't pray specifically for each other when we were together, because mm-hmm. you don't want to like break the spiritual like boundary, because like we're not married yet. So the man's supposed to be like the spiritual leader in the relationships, so you don't want to lead the girl on spiritually, yeah. and then it kind of end, and then she's kind of left.
0: So for many people at C12, or really anywhere, I think it's easy to see dating as, like the end goal is engagement. And then once you're engaged, then it's like, now we're good to go. But you guys have been engaged for a little while now. What are some of the challenges that you would say you face just being engaged? Because people that have been through engagement know that often engagement is harder than dating before.
1: Definitely mentally and, just making sure you're still sticking with your dating boundaries even though you're engaged because mentally you're like oh I'm married like we're getting married and we're basically married but you're not married yeah Uh, i think the biggest thing is not putting an unrealistic expectation on the other person um, Mm -hmm. and giving them grace and able to have time to self-correct and adjust, because it's adjustment, you've been doing life your way, your entire life, and so have they, and when you mm-hmm. come together and you're trying to figure out how to do things, and, and like, I'm gonna, I am gonna, know what I'm doing Monday through what's Sunday. What's the plan, what's the plan? <laughs> what's the plan? Like, it's the weekend, yeah. can we just? Yeah. Just not putting too much pressure on each other, and, and, and give, you know, it's okay that she's that way, it's, it's fine that she doesn't operate my way, and you just have to learn to, to work together on that. Yeah, as because a team. Uh,
0: how would you encourage the men in C12 uh, to date, or any advice about dating, and how would you encourage uh, women?
1: First, when if you're not dating anybody, just do you. Stop looking around. I mean, really. I mean, once you just find your security in yourself, and try not to be someone to impress someone else, or do these actions that you think, you know, maybe if I do this, he'll notice me. If he wants to pursue you, he'll pursue you. That confidence and that self worth was a big thing that I had to learn, and, it, and it's not easy. And you still have to. Con- it's a it's a continued process. It's not a I learn it and that's it. No, I still struggle with it. But mm-hmm. you have to continue to fight for that. And then um, the next thing is to, to pursue her. When I one of the things I told Sarah after we got to know each other a little bit is like I, I don't date to date. I date to find someone I'm going to marry. Mm-hmm. And make that clear. How a guy pursues you should be intentional. It shouldn't be. This game, a guy should pursue you and you should be, you should know that and they should be intentional about it. Awesome.
0: Yeah, hey, I just, I just want to tell you, um, I know that those two couples would love to, if you have any questions about dating or whatever, I know that they would love to answer them for you and talk to you about it. So uh, Matt and Sarah, Sheldon and Sydney. Sheldon and Sydney are getting married this Saturday in a few days and um, it's awesome. Hey, I want to enter into kind of a second part of tonight, just answer a few more questions that, that hit a little bit of a different side of dating um, that I know a lot of people are, are asking. So let me just go through it. And I know we don't have a whole lot of time, so I'll try and get through them and pick the ones that I think deserve um, some attention. First question is this. What is, uh, what is the best way to approach the physical boundaries conversation in a relationship? And what should the boundaries be? Great question. Uh, Here's what I would say. Don't have the conversation on your first date. That's awkward and weird. Uh, Don't do that. But I would have the conversation about physical boundaries before you kiss. Uh, At least get to that conversation before then. And so, uh, you know, don't have it immediately. But have it, you know, have it at some point. and And say this. Hey, here are my physical boundaries that I'm comfortable with. Don't have it as a couple, have it as an, in, like these are mine and I'm bringing them to you. I'm saying this is my boundary that I'm comfortable with or that I've set for my life. Otherwise, if you have it as a couple, what is it really a boundary if you allow someone else to move it? Not really. So have it as this is my boundary and I'm bringing it to you and I'm asking you to honor it and respect it, okay? And if they say, actually mine's like before that, then you honor that and respect that, but have it. Um, and then I would say this, set your physical boundaries first. These are our physical boundaries. Whatever they are, uh, um, should I give you some examples? I think I will. I'm going to help you out a little bit. Um, just get ready. Tell your neighbor this could get awkward. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, set your physical boundaries. So an example would be uh, no clothes come off. Not an option. Never. Clothes can't come off other than my jacket. Uh, or yours, whatever clothes don't come off that's a, that's one of our boundaries uh, we're, we stay we stay vertical, never go horizontal right Have you heard that one before we 're not ever laying on a couch together or, or any of that stuff um, anything <laughs> anything below the neck is off limits. anything below the neck is off limits, so if you're into ears, do your thing I guess but uh <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> everything below the neck <laughs> uh, someone someone said in the question is is oral sex considered sex here's what I would say is Chinese food considered food <laughs> it's in the name y'all it's in the name literally it's oral sex uh, so if you want to have the conversation about anatomically, all this kind of stuff, the point of it is don't try and push your boundary all the way up to like, okay, and this is what I can do and get away with it. That's not the point. If that's the question you're asking, you're asking the wrong question. The right question is, how much can I honor God with everything in my life? That's the right question to ask, not how far can I push the boundary, all right? Um, so set your physical boundaries. Uh, and the second thing is this, set your time and place boundaries that will keep you from getting to like – Going over those physical boundaries. So uh, maybe, hey, we're not allowed to go in each other's rooms. That doesn't happen. Uh, we're not, we don't, we don't uh, go to the basement. What is, I swear, when my kid gets older, watching a movie in the basement is not going to be a thing for little Cade. I want to tell that boy, yeah, right. Um, can't hang out past 1130. I don't know, set your, time, set your time and place boundaries to prevent you from going past it. Um, if you started, there's another question. If you started into a Christian relationship but then had premarital sex, how do you continue in that relationship? Talk about it. Don't just go over it and pretend like it didn't happen and it was a mistake and, and I shouldn't do it again. Talk about it, address it. Talk to a pastor or another couple that you respect. Talk about it. Figure out why did, why did we cross that boundary? We set a boundary way far back than that and we crossed it. Why did that happen? Um, and then I going to say this. If you're a couple and you've already crossed that line, not crossing that line again is very, very difficult. And I've seen, um, I've seen couples try, and it's very, like very few couples actually succeed at it. But it's possible. And every couple that does succeed at it does the same thing: they confess it to people and they ask for help, and they stop spending time alone together. They stop spending time alone together. Give yourself no opportunity for that to happen again obviously, eventually, that comes back into play and you've got boundaries and that kind of thing. Um, The guy I'm talking to is a Christian, but when we talk, he only wants sex when I want a relationship. I've told him I want a commitment. He says he will. Well, he lies. It seems like he only wants sex from me. I've tried everything, but he keeps coming back with lies to be with me, but the truth is he only wants sex. What do I do? Here's what I say. His problem is that he's a liar. Your problem is you keep talking to him. So... um, you're not a, uh, I know that's harsh, but it's true. You're not a victim of a guy mistreating you. You're a volunteer who is allowing a guy to mistreat you. So um, I just, you can't play the victim card of, of uh, you know, someone once said, I was meeting with someone. someone my, the problem is my boyfriend's addicted to pornography and that messes everything up. No, the problem is you're dating someone who's addicted to pornography. So don't you can't play this victim card your whole life and, and just act like like it's everyone else's problem. No, you have control of your life. You decide if you want in or out of it. What do you do? Uh, let's skip that, okay. I have a best friend who is having sex with her boyfriend and she won't listen to me or even consider stopping. What should I do? I feel helpless. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 through 11. This is uh, the Apostle Paul writing and it's pretty aggressive and harsh, but it's true. I have written you... Uh, in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters in that case you would have to leave this world but now i'm writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother but is sexually immoral or greedy an idolater or a slander a drunkard or a swindler with such a man do not even eat what it's saying is this if um if a person claims to be a follower of Jesus and I'm wholeheartedly pursuing Jesus with everything I have, and I'm willingly in sin, like continuously in sin, willingly in sin, then something's not matching up. And that's what it's saying, hey, do not be friends with that person. Disassociate yourself with that person because they are slandering the name of Jesus. If they're willing, now, let me give you, uh, me give you a few options. One, if she claims to be a follower of Jesus and lives in unrestrained sin, Get a new friend. They're profaning the name of Jesus. Second is this. If she claims to be a follower of Jesus and she is struggling with a sin, then be a source of encouragement. You can struggle with a sin and still be a believer, still be a follower. That's a, you, you can struggle with a sin. In fact, we all struggle with sin. So if that's just the sin that she struggles with, man, be an encouragement to her and help her fight that. And y'all get into the battle together and help her win that. Uh, third is, if she doesn't claim to be a follower of Jesus, then you shouldn't expect her to live like one. And so you just be a friend and be Jesus to her and encourage her that way. All right, almost done here. Band, y'all go ahead and come back up. We're going to worship and then uh, get out of here. Is this helpful to anybody in the room? Um, I feel like these last two are really important, so let me go into them. Uh, how should I approach sex now if I've already lost my virginity? Great question. Um, here's what I would say. It's not too late to make your sexuality sacred. It's not too late to make it sacred again. And you may have lost it. You may have crossed boundaries. You may have uh, done things you wish you wouldn't have, had, wouldn't have done. But it's not too late to make it sacred. And um, I would offer you a prayer um, that you may want to say something like that. I don't, I, you know, it doesn't have to be this, but something like this. God, I start today a journey of saving my sexuality for the one that you would have me experience the highest level of intimacy with through our commitment to one another. In other words, marriage. God, I start today on a journey of saving my sexuality for the one you would have me experience the highest level of commitment with. It's not too late to make your sexuality sacred. And then I would say this, receive God's forgiveness. Perhaps the most crippling thing for Christians who have made mistakes with their sexuality is not that they actually made the mistake, it's the fact that they can't get through the shame and the guilt of it. And um, I've seen this, especially on women, weigh so heavily on someone that I can't even really experience they can't even really experience the life and the relationship with Jesus that he wants to have with them because they're so crippled by the fact that they messed up. And this is, I mean, receive God's forgiveness. And what we've been talking about this series is, yeah, you may have to deal with uh, consequences. You may have to live with consequences for your actions and, and that's just a part of life and that's what we all walk through, not just with sexuality, with everything. Uh, But I just wanted to tell you that God can redeem your mistakes and he can turn beauty out of your ashes. And whatever mess you've been through, you're not too far gone. You're never too far gone. And God hasn't given up on you. So receive God's forgiveness. Perhaps the most crippling thing is not your actual mess up. It's the fact that you struggle with with shame and guilt and it eats at you and you can't get over it. And I just want to tell you that's not from God. It's from Satan. The guilt that you experience is not from God. All over scripture, therefore, there is now no condemnation, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, none. So it's possible for you to live free from the condemnation, the sin and the shame that you experience because of that. I had one girl wrote in uh, and asked the question, will I be judged if I've already lost my virginity? Um, I'm assuming that, that uh, you mean, will I be judged by God? And the answer is this, uh, yes. Yes, you will be. The Bible says, um, for the wages of sin is death. That the price for your sin is death. That's the harsh reality. Um, but thank God the story doesn't end there, right? The rest of the verse says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And this is the beautiful thing, that God loved you so much that he didn't want you to bear the judgment or the consequences or the death of your sin. He didn't want you to pay the price for it. He loved you so much. So what did he do? He sent his son Jesus To pay the price for you and literally murdered, killed his son on your behalf. And his son on a cross, on the cross, on Calvary, took on all of the judgment that you should have received for your sin and for my sin and everyone's sin. Took it all on him in one moment. This was the weight of Jesus dying. Wasn't necessarily the pain of nails in his hands, although that was painful. It was the pain of receiving the judgment For everyone's sins in the world. And he took it on your behalf and my behalf. So, yes, you will be judged. But the good news is that if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, your judgment has been paid for. That Jesus took your judgment so that you wouldn't have to take your judgment. This is the good news. That somehow your sin has to be paid for. And you can't pay for it. And God didn't want you to pay for it. So he sent his son Jesus to pay for it. And when you put your faith in him, what you're saying is, God, I'm trusting that you paid for it once and for all for me so that I wouldn't have to. But it doesn't even stop there. Because when he died, he took your judgment. But three days later, he rose again, defeating your sin. Saying that you don't have to live with the shame and the guilt and the consequences of your sin. That it's been resurrected. That you can have new life. This is what he's done for you and for me. I want to read to you a few verses. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 through 14, I believe they're going to put it on the screen. I love this. It says this. It says, but when Christ came... As high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. There's so much in this, but just listen. That is to say, is not part of his creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more, listen to this, listen. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? Did you hear what he said? How much more will he cleanse our conscience? Did you know your greatest battle is not defeating sin? Your greatest battle is over your conscience for the sin that you've committed. And it says there, how much more will he cleanse your conscience? That you don't have to live with all of that. That you can be free from that. This is what he's done for you. That he took your judgment so that you wouldn't have to. And then he conquered it and he defeated it when he rose from the grave. Something worth celebrating. So, I want to read to you one more verse and then we'll get out of here. I want to read this over you. Over you tonight. Because I believe it's what a lot of you need to hear. And I would encourage you to memorize it. Psalm 130, verses 3 through 4, the psalmist says this. says, if you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? (laughs) But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can with reverence serve you. If he kept a record of sins, who could stand? But there's forgiveness with him. I just want you to know that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, he keeps no record of your sin that has been paid for. And so I just believe that tonight, the response is to worship our God, who maybe if you're in here tonight and you say, man, I've crossed some lines, I've crossed some boundaries. I've done some things I'm not proud of. Maybe your response is saying, oh, but I'm so thankful that I worship a God who took my judgment that I'm deserving of, and he paid for it, and he paid for it. So we're going to sing a song. It's called "Cornerstone." It's a great song, and we sing it. But there's this one line in it that I love so much in the second verse. Um, would you stand to your feet as we just get ready? There's a a line in it in the second verse that says, uh, "My anchor, my anchor holds within the veil. My anchor holds within the veil." And I don't know if, if you know this or not, but it says that when Jesus was crucified, that when he said, it is finished, the moment he took his last breath, he said, it is finished. In other words, all the sins that you owe, he died with them and it's finished, they're covered, they're paid for. When he said that, it says that in the tabernacle, the veil tore from the top to the bottom, which is not humanly, it's not humanly possible. If it tore from the bottom to the top, it could have been someone that ripped it, but it tore from the top to the bottom. And what it did is it made a way for each person to experience Jesus, to experience God. In the tabernacle, it used to be only the high priest that could go behind the veil. And now it's torn, means that God made a way for you to get to him, not through a high priest, but through Jesus, the great high priest. And I was reading that, the lyrics to the song we're gonna sing, and those lines stood out to me, captivated me, because my anchor, the hope for my sin that I should have been judged for, I'm anchored to the fact that the veil was torn and that he tore it and I didn't have to tear it. He tore it. So I would just encourage us tonight as we sing this song, as you sing those lyrics, man, sing them out with everything you got. That we're rejoicing tonight that the veil was torn for us. That I don't have to pay for it. Amen. So God, we worship you tonight. And Father, I pray over each person in this room, especially for those who would say, Man, I've done too much, I've crossed the lines, I feel maybe rejected by God, or I feel not loved, feel shame and guilt. God, I pray that you would cover them with your everlasting love and your everlasting forgiveness. God, remind them of the finality of the cross. Remind them of what you have done. Remind them that you're the cornerstone. It's not by our own faith that we live. It's not by our own works that we're deserving of this forgiveness by the work of Jesus on the cross. God, would you remind them of that? Would they receive that tonight? We worship you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.